Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, trade deadline week. And we started off answering your questions, including a topic you might have been tired of over a decade ago. Could the Knicks eventually pursue LeBron James? Is it more than a fantasy? Would he bring a championship to New York? We get into all that right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your best bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. We're now available on all platforms that includes on YouTube. So if you want to see our smiling faces on a day-to-day basis, be sure to hit that subscription button and that notification bell uh, to ensure you never miss an episode on the YouTube side of things. And then on the audio side of things, if you get tired of looking at our faces, hit that auto download uh, button to be sure. Uh, you catch every single episode, but who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, uh, fresh off my first ever bachelor party, Alex, and it has me thinking of some crazy ideas we'll get into in just a sec. Uh, he is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website in the whole wide world, and we are talking uh, LeBron James. This, this could have been locked on Knicks circa 2010. Um, maybe even circa like 2007, like if we had a pod back, then I bet we would have started it a few years out. All right, how do they eventually get LeBron James? Um, but instead, uh, we are doing the year of our Lord 2024, um, because the clutch rift is, is allegedly sown. Um, and it weirdly kind of makes sense for where the Knicks are at and would sort of work to elevate them into championship contention. And we got a question about it. That one came from Clyde Frazier fan account at Frazier Frazier thoughts on LeBron running the bench unit in his forties. And Alex, this was something I was maybe just going to throw in at the end of the show, but then we got uh, a fake trade from the ringers, Kevin O'Connor. Um, and he proposed um, LeBron James for Julius Randall, Evan Fournier, a 2024 first, a 2025 first and a 2030 first under the guise that uh, King James is throwing out some heavy signals that he no longer wants to be in LA. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, there was, I feel like this whole fire, or uh, you can't even call it a fire, whatever, this kindling that has been placed on the ground, perhaps ready to be lit, uh, you know, is stoked by the LeBron wearing the Knicks towel during his uh, post-game interview the other day, which then, uh, I think it was Brian Windhorst, came out and said on like ESPN, was like, oh yeah that was him sending a message. Like he was sending a message to the Lakers that they better shape up or else he'll bolt to New York or whatever. It's like, okay, buddy, I'm, I'm sleeping over here. Like I'm not, I'm not ready to believe that you're finally ready to come to New York after 14 years. Um, but longest hey, tease of all time. Yeah. I mean, he is the biggest New York tease of all time. Cause there was even, if you remember right, when he went back to Cleveland, even there was like a little inkling of like, maybe he'll go to New York. And then it was like, no, he's definitely not. And then like, I, when he went to LA, it was pretty cut and dry, but like, this would be about the third time now that it's been like, maybe LeBron will come to the Knicks. I'm not buying it until it happens, if it would happen, but uh, it's not crazy to think that there is a world where this could happen. Like, so there's also a world where LeBron potentially takes like a mid-level exception or something to come to the Knicks. Uh, at some point, but it, it would probably require them drafting his son. 
Uh, his son obviously is playing for USC right now and will be draft eligible and will, it seems like to me, almost definitely be a lottery pick or thereabouts, uh, maybe like back half of back end of the lottery. I, I don't think so anymore, Alex. Like he's, he's not yeah. being listed in mock drafts anymore. Um, I, I think the heart thing is going to push it back a year at least, but uh, yeah. I mean, who? but, but to your point, if a team thinks they can go and get LeBron James, maybe that changes. I mean, he is back since the heart thing, right? Like right, he just isn't play. he's not playing like an NBA prospect right now. Yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, I, it all depends on on what he's able to do the rest of the season. But you know, there is a world where there could be communication in the Knicks of like, hey, if you make it a point to take Bronny, like you get LeBron for mid level exception, and they might be the only team that knows that for sure. If he decides he really wants to go to the Knicks or whatever, other teams might just assume like, hey, maybe if we take Bronny, we can get LeBron because he's publicly stated before, or at least like there's been indications out there that he wants to play with his son. Um, but either way, I don't know. This, this whole thing is kind of interesting. Like uh, to get to the actual question we got asked, like thoughts on LeBron running the bench unit in his forties. I mean, that would be great uh, in his late thirties right now. I see a world where he could be starting. And I mean, he's playing as good as he's ever played. He could partially run the bench unit or he could be the first sub out and Brunson could get more time with the bench. LeBron could come in, you know, as, as the first guy back in out of the starters, whatever. Um, I shudder a little bit to think about LeBron with his like Iron Man minutes load that he's just been able to do for years and years and years, getting paired with Tibbs, who would be like, Oh, oh, oh you buddy, you're going to play. You're going to play like 42 minutes every night because you're physically able to. Um, yeah. I don't know. It would be, it would be an interesting pairing, but as far as that, like proposed trade from KOC, if that were on the table tomorrow, I mean, for one, just for the fact that the Knicks could have LeBron for longer than they'd have to wait for Julius Randle to like come back from injury right at this particular moment, that's appealing just for this season. And then for two, like if you do that and then I don't know, make like one other smaller move, like let's say that then you say, okay, we're all the freak in now, like yeah. let's go, like you could put together a package. I actually just talked about it on, um, I talked, or actually, I don't know if I've brought this one up yet, uh, but, I, or no, I brought it up on the the one with Hayes the other day. You could put together a package of Grimes, Jericho, and Archie Diacono that gets you Alex Caruso. So then you could be like, okay, we're getting LeBron for Julius Randle and Fournier. Let's go get Alex Caruso too. This is officially a contending team now. Let's go get it and see if we can win the whole thing this year. There's a chance they could like they might win it this year. They might win it next year. They might have a window of about three, four years where they would have a chance to like legitimately win a title, depending on how long LeBron wants to keep doing it. Yeah, I I think I it, it's it's a fascinating proposal because it a lot of it depends on what you think of Julius Randle. And I'm for for our YouTube uh, watchers. I'm just going to pull up the graphic right now. You You look at them as regular season players and it's not the gap you would expect between LeBron and Julius Randle, like LeBron averages one more point per game. He averages one and a half less rebounds. He averages two and a half more assists. Um, the, the crux of the difference between the two is, is one in the fact that LeBron is, is still elite from an efficiency perspective, 52% from the field, 40% from three, while Julius is 47 and 31 from those areas on um, the advanced stats, uh, pace LeBron as a dramatically better player. And I, I think the, the, the single thing of, of why you, you, you swap out Julius Randle for LeBron is, is obviously the guy with uh, arguably um, outside of those rings, the greatest playoff resume in the history of the sport. 
um, versus someone whose playoff production is entirely hypothetical at this point and has literally never gotten it done in the playoffs. And I think there's still a case to be made that the list of players you'd want over LeBron in the postseason take up about one and a half hands, and that's that's where you stop. Um, and, and that's why the Knicks would ultimately do this deal. Like right now, like I, I wrote it in my notes, I'd probably put the Knicks at, and this might even be generous, like a 2% chance of winning an NBA championship. And that's in the world where they go out and get a Malcolm Brogdon or a DeJounte Murray, if not the numbers, maybe even a little lower than that, despite how incredibly well they played since OG Ananobi will talk about it more later. I still don't totally buy them as a contender. I think you go out and get LeBron. You could convince yourself and, and, and make another move to your point, whether it's Caruso, whether it's Brogdon, that goes up to like a 15 to 20% chance. And I would say a percentage as high as any team in the NBA um, I mean, just think about what LeBron brings in terms of having one through four spacing um, chess master to pair with Jalen Brunson's just unstoppable playoff scoring, or at least unstoppable against the Miami Heat. Um, you'd have four like exceptional spacers around your center, which I just think would combined with LeBron's passing that as good as Randall's been as a passer this year is obviously just two or three echelons above. Um, you would supercharge an offense that's already been pretty good after this trade. And then defensively, obviously LeBron does not really put an effort in the regular season anymore, but what he can still like rev up to in the playoffs, I, I think again, is just echelons above Julius Randle from an IQ perspective and even from a physical perspective and, and, and a first step perspective. Um, like I, I, I just think you, you become a two-way Titan up there with the Celtics, up there with the Nuggets, up there with at least what the Thunder have done in the regular season, up there with the Clippers. Like, I, I just don't see another team that I would I would say is clear-cut better than the Knicks if they went and got LeBron. The issue there is if you're also giving up three first-round picks and you're, you're betting on everything going right and LeBron not, like, turning an ankle before the playoffs and saying, hey, you know what, I don't really like living in New York. I'm just going to go retire in Cleveland. And potentially you're giving up the bulk of what your big star trade package was for, for one run, which maybe is worth it when you haven't won a title in, in 50 years. Yeah, I don't I think this is far from like the Raptors doing that with Kawhi, though, like the, you know, the big meeting that like I talked about on yesterday's show and like happened over the weekend of Rich Paul, Leon Rose, like finally burying the hatchet, you know, the like decades old beef or whatever or at least a, a, a decade, if not longer beef that they've had, like since Rich Paul, you know, started clutch and with LeBron and they, you know, have kind of been hand in hand in that venture and all that stuff. Um, you know, it's, I feel like there would, this deal doesn't happen unless you're basically getting some level of assurance from LeBron of like, Hey, you're going to resign here this, this coming off season. Right. And he'd yeah. be like, yeah, short of something horrifically catastrophic, I'm willing to retire in New York uh, or, you know, Maybe I'll give like one last year to Cleveland at the very, very last year of my career, but you'll get at least like two or three years out of me. Uh, right. And then, and then maybe I'll go back to Cleveland just to like finish off my career or whatever. And if you get that sort of assurance, then I think you, you would definitely go for this sort of thing, even if it costs three first round picks, because three first round picks still means that you have five first round picks and four swaps left to trade, which is more than enough that like if you hit this offseason, and you're, another star becomes available, like stars generally, I think, are enticed with the idea of playing with LeBron James. Uh, they don't always end up playing with him. As, again, like, unfortunately, you know, the way that the Lakers roster has been constructed, it's just been really 
hard for them to generate the salary that they need to like put together another big trade for like a really big guy. Um, but you know, that pe- players like to play with LeBron because you know that if you're playing with LeBron, you you're going to have at least some chance of winning a championship if, if the team is put together properly. And like, if he slotted into this Knicks team and basically just slotted in as an even swap for Julius Randle, he's, he's one of the two best players to ever put on a basketball Jersey in the NBA. And yeah, you know, he's still putting up that that level of production at, you know, his advanced age in his late 30s. And there's no reason to assume that he's ever going to slow down because waiting on that fall has doomed many sports writers and pundits and whatever for the last like five, six years. And yet he continues to just be as good as he's ever been. So, yeah, uh, I mean, maybe we could talk more about it in the next segment, Gavin, um, and get a little more into, I don't know, maybe just the idea of like, and, and this will get into like if, the Knicks in general are contenders, which is a question we got off YouTube um, and where Julius Randle slots into all that and all that good stuff. But first you want to let everyone know about our buddies over at FanDuel. So first I have to wish a happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks and placing some super bets, man. I, it, it is, it is my personal holiday of the year each and every year there's nothing like meeting up with a couple of friends ordering in from your favorite place and just truly locking in to what is the social occasion of the year and the sporting occasion of the year it truly is the biggest show on planet earth but if you're like me and you want a little more skin in the game FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a w or two or three not only can you bet on who will win super bowl 58 but FanDuel also has bets for which player will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. Alex, I'm, I'm going to recommend a prop every time we get a chance to talk about FanDuel this week. The one that I'm going to drive home more than a- any other right now, the over-under of Brock Purdy rushing yards is just 12 and a half. He had close to 50 last week. you got to imagine he is going to scramble against that fearsome Kansas City pass rush. I would be stunned if he doesn't finish with over 12 and a half. got to remember there could be some kneel downs that could pull that back. I think he's going to have enough of a cushion that he will be just fine. New customers join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, Alex, let's finish up talking LeBron James. Um, I, I think a lot of whether or not you do this deal, and we can also get into just how feasible it is because – I, I think LeBron, when Anthony Davis resigned there, probably promised Anthony Davis he was planning on finishing his career in L.A. And I feel like LeBron's maybe broken similar promises in the past. So who knows what that means? But it's still like we got to emphasize this is still the long shot of all long shots. And if he does want to leave L.A., there are going to be a lot of teams uh, willing to welcome him. There's long been thoughts of him and Steph Curry wanting to play together together at some point before the end of his career. I'm sure he'd find Milwaukee pretty appealing. He could always just go back home to Cleveland to move that no one is going to beat him up for and arguably have a similarly good situation to what he has with the Knicks. Um, but from a Knicks perspective, um, I think a lot of this, and, and this can, can lead into our contender conversation as well, comes down to what you ultimately think about Julius Randle's ceiling. Because is he ultimately, like, does this front office truly see him as someone who is going to be the second or third best player on a title team, or as sad as it would be after his uh, third redemptive arc this year in New York, 
do they ultimately just see him as, as a salary and a statistical resume that will lead them to the guy who can ultimately get it done along with Jalen Brunson? And to me, like, like just sitting with this idea today and tonight, um, and I, I can get into this further, I've kind of come to the conclusion that the Knicks acquiring OG Ananobi spells doom for Julius Randle's time on the Knicks in the same way Jalen Brunson, um, when he was acquired by New York, ultimately spelled doom for Emmanuel quickly. And I think getting Ananobi was saying, we're going to have a third salary slot that is not a third star, but is instead the ultimate role player that can fit with any star. And in turn, I think that was almost a vote in saying, hey, we think we can be really, really good with Julius Randle. We think we can be one of the best regular season teams in basketball. We think with the right supporting cast, we can make the conference finals. I just don't think anyone in this Knicks front office reasonably believes that the Knicks are going to win a championship with Julius Randle as their second best player. And, and people might disagree with that. The fact of the matter is we've just never seen him do in the postseason. And again, LeBron, that's like the crazy part about this trade is you're giving up three first round picks for a guy nine years older with nominally pretty similar regular season production. And yet it's ultimately a no brainer because of, of what they bring to the table as playoff guys and in LeBron you're, you're getting someone who's just been through more wars literally more playoff minutes than anyone in NBA history I think ultimately where I where I differ a little bit with that is I don't necessarily know that getting OG means that they think that they're ready to move on from Randall or that they think that you know they're more prime. I, I okay I will say they definitely think they're more primed to be a championship team however I don't know that they necessarily think that getting rid of Randall is going to be the thing that needs to happen to make that happen. Um, I, I just think this front office really does actually believe in him. Like they've kind of shown it so far. Cause if they didn't, they would have done what we were asking them to do two years ago and just shipped him out for a bag of chips and been mm -hmm. like, well, you know, after that 21 to 22 season, like clearly 2020 to 21 was just a flash in the pan. And, you know, you you regressed all the way back to all your worst tendencies and then some in 21-22. So let's just get you the heck out of here. Instead, they were patient. And thank goodness they were because then he was so good last year. And he was so good this year before the injury and was still playing so well. I also think as far as like the playoff stuff, they're probably like. I think you can reasonably look at 2020 to 21 and say, like, no matter how you feel about Tibbs or you feel about Randall, like the Knicks got out schemed in that series period like Atlanta came in with a perfect game plan to to take care of Julius Randle and then the Knicks didn't really have a counterpunch for that they were like oh man you mean to tell me if the guy that produces like 60 percent of our offense between uh points and assists isn't isn't like able to do the stuff that he wants to do that we won't be able to win basketball games like get out of here uh and then to then follow that up with his next playoff appearance being last year where he was obviously so hurt that it's just like you can't you can't look at that and be like in good faith, be like, well, he really crapped the bed last year because yeah. can, I just can don't I just think clarified to me. Yeah. It's like more of a salary question. Like, can yeah. you have Randall OG Brunson and another guy making $50 million a year? And I just think it's not going to be Brunson gone. It's not going to be OG gone. So isn't it ultimately going to be Randall gone? I think that if they play it right, they might just be willing to like, if they feel like they have the right core to commit to, mm -hmm. they'll just be like, whatever. Like, and look, I also think that it's a stretch to assume that Julius Randle is going to demand a $50 million contract. Oh, no, I don't think, no, I'm saying, I'm saying whatever I'm saying the, the number, the quote unquote, number one guy they bring in, I think would be making that kind of money. Not, not Julius. Right. But that's, that's what I mean. Like, I just think, so 
I think what they're more motivated to do right now, if I had to guess, would be to trade Fournier at this deadline. And like maybe it's DeJounte Murray or someone like that, where it's like a like star. Like if you look close enough, you know what I mean? Like someone who at least sure. like projects as a star, uh, you know, has an outward appearance of a star. And then use that person to go get the bigger star plus whatever other salary you can cobble together. It might require a painful thing, like including Josh Hart or something, which maybe wouldn't make Brunson the happiest in the world or whatever. But ultimately, if you sold that to him as like, bro, you're going to win a championship probably because it's going to be you. It's going to be Julius. It's going to be this other star. And it's going to be OG still. And DiVincenzo still presumably like in that arrangement. It's like, come on, man. Like at a certain point, you just got to view the bigger picture here. Like I know you're friends with Josh Hart and you guys have a podcast now and whatever, but you know, it's going to have to happen potentially. And you know, friends get separated in the NBA sometimes and it's okay. Um, so yeah, I don't know that that's all just kind of, it all comes down to like how willing are they to break up that grouping, you know, the Villanova guys, but if they're willing to, like, I think their plan based off the past and everything else is probably to keep Julius around if they can, because you know that Julius is going to take a discount for this team too. Like he's done it once before. I have no doubt that he will probably sign a contract on his next deal. If he signs with the Knicks for like 35 million a season and it's going to like yeah. shock everybody and be like, well, you could have made like 55 million dude. Like, what are you doing? He's like, I don't know. I don't need that much money. Like I just want to win or whatever, which to Julius's credit has been one of the greatest things that he's given this team so far. Yeah, and look, it ultimately, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be Jeremy Cohen or, or Alex even have like your knowledge of the cap. Mm -hmm. I, I think it will ultimately come down to just how much money the new TV deal brings into the NBA. But I, I think everyone in the league is is very aware of like the induction of like the first tax apron, the second tax apron, and, and just the stiffer penalties that come along with that and and the utter lack of flexibility. Like even if even if you have like forget about uh James Dolan, like if you have Steve Ballmer as your owner, like it's still going to just cripple your ability to make follow-up moves. And I just don't see a world where, again, like I, I think Jalen Brunson is going to be making something like 55 to $60 million a year. And I, I maybe, maybe I'm wrong. And maybe he takes a massive discount to facilitate having four major salaries on the books. And then maybe Julius follows suit, but in a world where Jalen's making that, I don't think Julius is going to go for 35 and say, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm 20 million less than the guy, especially if he finally produced in the playoffs. So I'm, I'm with you in that. I don't think like the LeBron stuff is fun to talk about. I, I don't ultimately think there's any world where he's moved at this deadline or like, I would be stunned if he is, um, or even this summer, I think it's still fairly unlikely. I just think at the end of the day, when that bigger name comes in, I mean, it's partially just a basketball fit. And if Julius can be, best utilized as a third option considering how his jumpers abandoned him like that's a different question I just wonder if the Knicks are ultimately going to think there's a better way to allocate that money whether it's LeBron whether it's Luka Doncic whether it's Devin Booker whether it's Joel Embiid like whoever that guy is that makes the Knicks true blue title contenders like does Julius at the number he's going to command like one is that doable two does it even make sense from a basketball perspective well let's talk about that more in a second when we get to our next mailbag question which is about how the Knicks can become contenders, which we've sort of already been talking about, but we'll just keep that discussion going, maybe start floating some other names and be like, if not Julius, then who? But first, Gavin, I want to let everybody know about our friends over at BetterHelp. This next segment is brought to us by our sponsor, BetterHelp. And sometimes 
We all need the opportunity to get something off our chest, big or small. Certain things can really start to get to you. And it's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased on your life. So today I want to say how I really feel about something. You might even be thinking about the same thing this week. And maybe you are. I don't know. What the thing that this week in particular is getting on me a little bit is the NBA trade deadline, which can be exciting. And obviously we're having our fun discussions right now. Uh, and, you know, it's it, from the fandom perspective of just being a fan of this team is exciting. But personally, from someone who oversees a decent amount of content about the Knicks, it can be a little bit stressful. And, you know, this week, while being exciting, also comes with the stress of having to be available pretty much all the time and having to be like glued to my phone all week to see if some news breaks and then being prepared to potentially drop everything and ask at my day job if I'm allowed to like go record a segment about so-and-so getting traded to the Knicks and then doing more when I get home and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it's a very stressful week for content creators. So hug your favorite Knicks content creator this week. It's a, it's a tough week. Um, but you know, it's, it, I think that's where therapy can kind of help. And like therapy can be different for everyone. Most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports team or the trade deadline or whatever. And it's important to get things off your chest every once in a while, big or small. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, Gavin, we're back in to keep this discussion going and sort of a logical progression here. We got another question from, uh, this one came from YouTube. Uh, we made a community post, so shout out to at Virgil31 on YouTube, wanted to know, are the Knicks contenders as currently constructed? And if not, describe the kind of player who would fill in as the missing piece. So let's just like rule out LeBron now. So we'll say, because I think we've dedicated enough airtime to talking about sure. LeBron at this point. So let's just address the question otherwise gavin like do you think that the knicks as they're constructed right now let's even just say as constructed right now if they add a brogdon type because i think that's kind of what this question is getting at like if they just make that one little tweak at the deadline could they potentially be championship contenders this year so first that part but then secondly if not then what do they have to do to get there all right, so just just to cover my bases, I'm I'm going to say first of all, uh, without getting that Brogdon type, there there are no no world a, a title contender, and I, I thought a good way to approach this question would be to look at where they were let down last year and say, all right, how much better are they actually? So we can we can even just go position by position, like at point guard, like you have a better version of of Jalen Brunson, who who was already an absolute killer in last season's post year. So that's that's check, that's better. Dante is a more reliable spacer at the two than anything the Knicks had last year, including Quentin Grimes. He's more confidence on the ball. He also has a little bit of a spotty postseason resume, and he's a downgrade there defensively from whether, whether you have Hart in that spot or whether you have Grimes in that spot. He's not the same defender. Overall, I'd say an upgrade at, at the two. I'm at the three. OG undeniably an overall upgrade over RJ Barrett. I just wonder if for an offense that just tanked because they had no one other than Jalen Brunson outside of occasionally RJ who could create a shot. Does OG hurt you a little bit more in the postseason from that perspective? I think probably not at the end of the day, just because of the extra space he provides for Jalen to operate the extra space. He, he, provides to just 
put a defense in rotation and allow someone like Dante DiVincenzo to be more of a shot creator than he would be on a cramp court. And then defensively, obviously, he makes you so much better. Randall, uh, important caveat, if healthy, obviously is going to be a better version of the guy we saw last year. The great news with him is like it, it literally can only be better, cannot get worse than his two previous appearances um, in the postseason center. Um, should be a little bit better than last year just because Hardenstein's a better player. Mitchell Robinson, if healthy, is a better player than he was a year ago. Um, where I still have concerns is, is Tibbs has the ability to close games with Josh Hart and just not have shooting on the floor. And that's what tanked the Knicks offensively in last year's postseason. And two, you wonder if their defensive success from last year was just a little bit of a mirage just because they played teams that were so bereft of offense with the Cavs constantly having a player on the floor or two players on the floor who couldn't shoot and Miami just not having a ton outside of Jimmy Butler. Um, the good news is they probably shouldn't play defenses as tough this postseason. So all that is to say, like, even though they are clearly a better team, I don't know if that will actually create a better result in this year's playoffs without a trade. Now, if they go and get a Malcolm Brogdon or DeJounte Murray, I think that could put them in a category with teams maybe a little bit less talent than the 2004 Pistons. And, and, and then the other team I was thinking of was the 2011 Mavericks. If, if Jalen Brunson just goes on a heater and replicates that Dirk Nowitzki-esque run, um, as incredible as Brunson is, I would say the ceiling is still probably a little bit lower than Dirk's, who's a top 25 player all time. So that's that's no insult. But the point is it would take an absolute perfect storm, even if they got Brogdon. I think even if they got DeJounte Murray, it would take injuries. It would take hot shooting. Like everything would have to go right. So I would, I would at the end of the day, say no. Um, I would say that they would kind of be like at the tail end of a dark horse. Um, but Alex, do you agree with that? And then if you do, like what's the kind of player they'd have to go get to hit that next echelon of a true blue contender. I think, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Like if they don't make the move for all the reasons you outline hundred percent, they're not, they're not a title contender. I mean, it's just when you see the minutes like where deuce has to be essential, like the point guard off the bench. I mean, I love deuce, but it's just not going to win it in the playoffs. He's going to get picked on so hard. And so is every player out there. You know, Josh Hart is going to get singled out. Like he already has been, you know, when they're a little more injury ridden right now. And, you know, exposed for not being able to shoot the three, especially during like big moments, like what happened in Miami last year, like the bench unit will struggle, which is a shame because the bench unit used to be kind of like the highlight of our day. But now the starting lineup is crazy, crazy talented. So it's it's mm -hmm. a trade off you'll take 10 times out of 10. But, you know, Jalen Brunson can't play 48 minutes a game for every single playoff game. And that would probably be their undoing in that case. And then obviously you have to see that Randall can produce in the playoffs, too. If they get the Brogdon type. Or if they take the more like moonshot kind of option, but the more volatile option and go for like a DeJounte Murray, I think there's like, there's like a solid chance. I mean, I don't know. I would give them maybe a, I don't know, maybe this is too homery, but like, like a one in 10 chance maybe of winning a championship with that, that team. I mean, a couple of things break right for them. You know, it's like the playoffs, everything is so volatile, you know, like they're facing the Celtics and like Porzingis has to be out for two games, which is not unheard of. You know, can they do those two games and then still win another two just at full even strength between the two teams? Sure. I think they could do that, like win two against the Celtics without Porzingis and then two more out of four uh, to, you know, finish the series off or, or two more out of five to finish the yeah. series off. Like they could do that for sure. So, you know, I, I wouldn't rule anything out. I think they could at least make an ECF appearance with that team, you know, just because some of the other teams are starting to have their cracks like the. Bucks have Doc Rivers as their coach now, and the Sixers obviously have all their issues with injuries and everything else. So it's there's a path for them to potentially make it if they make the right move. Um, but 
if they wanted to for sure start entering that conversation, I do think they're a move away. I think if I was going to pinpoint, you know, I was thinking about this today because I was doing something for the Strickland. We were doing like a little trade deadline roundtable, and it sort of asked a similar question of like, mm. who would you want to see in an ideal world the Knicks go after? And like, I don't know, like ideal world, I would go after someone like SGA. But like, if I'm being realistic, he's not on the table anymore. So it's stupid to even think about certain guys like that. And like the Mavericks are playing pretty well right now. So it's like, I don't think that Luca is going anywhere anytime soon for at least a couple more years, you know? And it's like, uh, maybe Giannis, you know, maybe he's the guy that you can kind of pie in the sky a little bit. Uh, and be kind of starting to scare me now, like out with yet another injury that's going to cost him a ton of time this regular season and maybe hinder him into the postseason. I don't love that. You know, that that just gets scarier and scarier with him because the older he gets, the more those issues are going to pop up. And I don't know if you really want to commit to him in his 30s. So the guy I keep coming back to, maybe it's cliche, but like, I think maybe the move that they could make that would put them into that tier and keep them still in that sort of like Uber chemistry, like Pistons, you know, Mavs sort of category. Okay, I, think, I would, think I know the name that's coming. Would be Mikel Bridges. Uh, yes. mm-hmm. Just go for him. You know, like you'd have to pay the tax on him, you know, for going in division and convincing the Nets to part with him, which they're foolishly like clutching to him, like grim death for some reason. Like, I don't understand why. Um, at least that's what they want people to think that's what they want people to think but you know if it costs you like four first round picks or something plus like quentin grimes plus whatever salary to make it work does that make you a title contender maybe because if you can feel the lineup of brunson bridges og randall hartenstein and then still have like dante josh hart mitchell robinson press the you know, whoever else you can sign this coming off season, like with like your last good mid-level exception before your attacks team, that's got to be the deepest team in basketball. It's got to be one of the most dangerous defensive teams in basketball, because for whatever you lose with Brunson at that point guard spot, you have bridges Ananobi, two bona fide, like defensive stud centers. So you always have one on at any time, as long as they're both healthy, like precious is showing a lot on the defensive end right now. Like, there's just so much, so much potential there. And like Bridges, I don't buy as like a 1A option, but as a number three, and then OG is your number four, that might be it. That might be the move. Outside of like a LeBron type thing, that honestly, it, it's going to be so hard to pull off because the Nets will definitely be resistive to doing it with the Knicks, but that might be the way to go. I mean, I think I think Mikel would make this team so good. Yeah, I think that's that's the painful part is that if he was on literally any other team, in the, I mean, maybe, maybe not the Celtics or like another or, or the Sixers, but a non-Atlantic division team. And certainly like if he was still in the West on any team and, and they were in a similar, like an adjacent situation to the Nets, I think it would be a no brainer that if the Knicks wanted to overpay and get him, he would be a Nick by this deadline. And, and that would just be reality. And the shame of it is, is that he is on the Nets and Sean Marks, I think he knows like, I like it. Obviously, if like there's a world where the Nets turn one of those picks into a superstar, it it ages great for them, even if it leads to a Knicks title. If it leads to a Knicks title, I don't think Sean Marks is going to be there to make those picks and see what that pick turns into. And, and that would just be too non-palatable for a team that was an organization that was built as being an alternative to the Knicks and, and like the, the grass-fed or organic version of New York basketball. And of, of course, the... The that that sort of went up in flames when they when they said, you know what, we're gonna go and get 
Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And now they're trying to pull this mesmer on everyone and say, hey, that never happened. We're, we're, we're just kind of this granola munching uh, vegan. I can, I can say that as a vegan um, a version of New York basketball. And, and it, it's all good. It's all clean here. Um, where we are the alternative that that we were the future of New York basketball. And you trade Mikhail Bridges to the Knicks and the Knicks win a title playing the Villanova way based on teamwork, ball movement and far and away the best defense in ball. Like that is that is maybe the single greatest self-destruction in from a PR perspective in the history of sports. And of course, there have been horrible things that have happened that are worse. But in terms of just a trade like that is going to be in the mix. So those are the reasons the Nets would never do it. Um, that being said, Alex, I think you're absolutely right. I think LeBron is, is the higher end version of that, but also I, I, the word you used was perfect. He's the more volatile version of that bridges. There's no question in terms of fit. There's no question you would have, I would say by a substantial margin, the best defense in the NBA with him and OG, like I think at 1.2 years ago, considered the two best perimeter defenders in basketball defending with Mitchell Robinson, who somehow turned like four, like decent to crummy defenders in front of him into a top five defense earlier this year and an offense out of spacing, creation, shooting. And I think the one thing that gets under discussed when we say, all right, do we want Embiid? Do we want Doncic? Do we want Devin Booker? With all those guys, you are losing a little something of what makes Jalen Brunson so special. Like obviously Brunson's innate talent is what drives his success. But another factor is that he has total control to be the dude on this team. You add someone even like LeBron that goes away just a bit, and maybe you're getting 90% of what Brunson brings. You get bridges. You don't lose anything from Brunson while adding a two-way force. So I, I think that's a team that is more than the sum of their parts, and I'm with you, could be a title contender. So I wanted, to, I wanted to be creative. I wanted to come up with a different name. That's the one. I just don't think it'll ever happen. Yeah, it's just so hard to imagine it ever happening because of who he plays for. And that's, like you said, that's the unfortunate part, is that if he was on... Pretty much any other team in the association, short of, sure. I I think even if he was on the Sixers, it wouldn't be totally out. No, of I, I I take it. I like, take back what I said before because if they were in the Nets situation, of course, why wouldn't they do it? Even the Celtics, why yeah. wouldn't they do it? Like the Nets are the yeah. only one who, out of spite, will never do it. We'll never do it. So we'll see. Maybe the Knicks can shake him loose, but I think there's more discussion to be had. Uh, certainly, we have some more questions to get into, so we're gonna have hopefully another episode this week. Hopefully, the Knicks don't just jump the gun and <laughs> get stuff done, but. You know, if we get the opportunity, we're going to be answering some more questions by like Thursday. We'll have a game recap for you guys on Wednesday as well from the Grizzlies game, which looks like it's going to be a heck of a good time for the Knicks. Good way to get back on the horse against a team that's basically sitting their entire team. So the Knicks will probably be playing some G leaguers. Granted, we saw how that worked out the last time they played the Grizzlies. So, you know, maybe we're not quite ready to call that a victory just yet. At any rate, busy trade deadline week. Uh, so we'll talk to you guys soon with lots more great Knicks stuff. Peace out.